Okay, through the first half of August, which is normally a quiet period for the bond market in the United States, a total of $56 billion in junk bonds and leveraged loans were issued by uh, junk-rated companies, according to S&P Global. That was nearly 50% higher than the prior records for the same period set in 2012 and uh, 2016, and more than double the amount issued in the entire month of August last year. The Fed's announcement on March 23rd that it would start buying corporate bonds and bond ETFs set off a huge rally in the bond market, including in the chunk bond market. The rally started before the Fed ever actually bought the first bond. And then the Fed hardly bought anything by Fed standards. Through the end of July, it bought just $12 billion in corporate bonds and and bond ETFs, including a minuscule $1 billion in junk bond ETFs. That's not even a rounding error in its $7 trillion mountain of assets. But the announcement was enough to trigger the biggest junk bond chase in the shortest amount of time the world has likely ever seen, and it kept the zombies walking and it generated a whole new generation of zombies too. I'm Wolf Richter, the publisher of WolfStreet.com, where we tell the stories behind business, finance, and money. You're listening to the Wolf Street Report. It's Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. The junk bond ETFs that the Fed dabbled in hold junk bonds issued by companies that have been taken over by private equity firms in leveraged buyouts, where the acquired company itself borrows the money to pay for its own acquisition. Leveraged buyouts produced the first big wave of bankruptcies among retailers that started years before the pandemic and included Toys R Us, now liquidated. The junk bond ETFs that the Fed bought hold these types of bonds, including bonds by PetSmart, which was taken over in a leveraged buyout by a a private equity firm, BC Partners. In the second quarter, companies that had been taken over by private equity firms issued over $31 billion in junk bonds, the highest level since 2014, according to D-Logic. The third quarter is on the same track, In July, companies owned by uh, private equity firms issued $10 billion in junk bonds. And it goes far beyond private equity firms. Carnival, the the largest cruise ship operator with a a deep chunk credit rating of triple C and whose revenues collapsed to near nothing as all its cruises have been canceled, while the restart of its cruises gets pushed out further and further, well, In early August, it sold its third bond issue since the pandemic, $900 million in junk bonds with a yield of nearly 10%. They're secured by its cruise ships and intellectual property. Royal Caribbean, the second largest cruise ship operator, issued $3.3 billion in junk bonds in May. And the collateral for these cruise line bonds? Cruise ships, among other things. But the value of these cruise ships today is very hard to ascertain beyond scrap value because until cruises are back in full swing, when, whenever that may be, if ever, cruise ships are just a huge expense. Cruise lines are now burning cash day after day, and they'll continue to burn cash for months, if not years, even after they start operating again, and they're piling on mountains of debt in order to raise cash that they'll burn before they'll ever start operating again. 
Even if there weren't zombies before the pandemic, there'll be zombies going forward. This borrowed cash will be gone, and the debt will remain, and they won't be able to get rid of that debt and trim it down unless they restructure it, either in bankruptcy court or or outside of bankruptcy court, by transferring all or much of the equity to creditors, with shareholders getting wiped out or mostly wiped out, and uh, with some creditors taking big losses too. But instead, they got bailed out. And they were turned into zombies. And now a whole new generation of zombies was born that will add to the number of existing zombies. For investors, uh, a restructuring would be ugly. But uh, for the cruise lines, it would be a great thing. They'd be smaller and nimbler and, and they'll be more able to invest and they could move forward. But no, instead of allowing this to happen, they were turned into zombies. With this strategy of bailing out and pumping up corporate credit markets and particularly the junk bond market and leveraged loan market, the Fed made it possible for corporate zombies to raise new money from investors and become even bigger zombies rather than being restructured and cleaned up and it caused a whole new generation of zombies to be born. And their over-indebted balance sheets are now clogging up the economy and productivity and future economic growth. Even the The Bank for International Settlements uses the term zombie. Zombie companies are unable to cover debt servicing costs from current profits over an extended period. Zombies are over-leveraged, very risky companies with a business model that is not self-sustaining, meaning it needs to constantly raise money from new creditors to pay existing creditors. That's okay for young companies that uh, may not have a product yet and and uh, may not have any sales yet, or they're just starting out to get sales going and, and they're ramping up. Though generally at that level, equity financing rather than debt financing is, is the choice here. But once a company has been around for years, has thousands of employees and billions of dollars in assets and liabilities, in theory, its business model should be such that its revenue should cover all operating expenses plus interest. Back in the late 1980s, less than uh, 3% of the companies traded on U.S. stock exchanges were zombies, according to to the BAS. By uh, 2018, 19% were, including uh, just about the entire shale oil and gas sector, much of which is now in bankruptcy court or heading that way or emerging from it. This is the condition companies were in when they walked into the pandemic. The BIS found that the rise of the zombies is linked to reduced financial pressure, meaning easy money forever. The BIS study also found that zombie companies are less productive and uh, crowd out investment in, in more productive firms. Often zombies are already marked by a chunk rating. Their operating cash flows are thin and, and insufficient to pay for interest expenses and they have to borrow money to keep going. If they cannot get new funding, they'll have to default on existing debts. The hope for creditors is that these companies can always issue new debt to service existing debts, paying existing creditors with money raised from new creditors. Some chunk-rated companies have been able to issue bonds in the United States in recent weeks at yields below 3%. These companies have a relatively high probability of default, and they will need to uh, borrow more money in the future, or else they will default, and investors are lending them money at record low yields that uh, for now barely beat inflation, 
and leaves nothing uh, to compensate them for credit risk. S&P and Moody's are forecasting that the default rate for chunk-rated companies will exceed 12% in early 2021. But the market doesn't care. The, the market thinks these companies will never default. And they won't default if they keep getting new money to burn. The whole fracking industry was founded on that principle. Increase oil production at astounding rates, burn cash forever, and borrow more and more money to fund the cash burn. And as long as markets kept funding the cash burn, it worked out. But then one day, the market opened its eyes and, and saw that the companies now had a huge amount of debt and not nearly enough cash flow to fund the interest payments or even operating expenses without more borrowing. And the market grew skittish. And when it grew skittish, funding dried up. And then these companies tumbled into bankruptcy one after the other, hundreds of them by now. This was based on the time-honored principle that something works until it doesn't. Short-term rescue interventions by uh, governments or central banks during a sudden crisis such as the pandemic are one thing, particularly if they support the unemployed, uh, but also if they unfreeze credit that had frozen up even for healthy companies. But when these rescue efforts become long-term conditions where zombies are being propped up and where more and more zombies are being created and where existing zombies become even bigger zombies, well, that's quite another thing. And that's precisely what has happened after every bailout. It led to long-term easy money and constant stimulus even during the good times that uh, kept the zombies walking and multiplying no matter what. This happened after the financial crisis. Zombies were, were kept walking, and during the good times, they weren't restructured as interest rates remained low, though the Fed raised them timidly starting in 2015, uh, too little, too late. And as soon as the slightest quivers went through the credit markets in 2019, the Fed did a U-turn on interest rates, dropped its QE unwind, and then rolled out the repo market bailout. So when the pandemic came, there was a huge amount of risk already piled up and an enormous record-breaking amount of corporate debt. And the economy was crowded with zombie companies running around. And the Fed, with its bailout programs, made all of these problems worse. It tries to eliminate the risk of loss to investors, and it keeps bailing out the riskiest companies uh, instead of letting these companies restructure in bankruptcy court, shed their debts and make investors eat the losses and move on in a nimbler, uh, more productive form. Without this self-cleansing process, capitalism can no longer function. Risky things need to be allowed to blow up. Investors need to be allowed to take losses. And yeah, markets need to be allowed to go wild, which uh, reminds investors in the future uh, to be more prudent. These processes see to it that capital is allocated based on risk and productivity, and that unproductive cash burn machines are restructured or dismantled so that they don't clog up the economy. Without that function, the economic system bogs down, stuffed with zombies that are hobbling from bailout to bailout, never really restructuring their debts and making investors take the losses. Easy money is a curse. I'm Wolf Richter, the head zombie at WallStreet.com, where we tell the stories behind business, finance, and money. Thank you for listening to the Wolf Street Report.